Okay, we're going to turn the rest of our time over to our guest missionaries today. And uh, I think, Diana, are you first? Yes. And uh, we got our signals crossed because her shirt is from Myanmar and mine's from Africa. So I don't know how this is going to work. It'll work. You're going to take over now, right? God bless you. (laughs) Good morning. Well, I'm so glad to be here, and thank you for allowing Rick and I to come and share with you this morning, and I'm so glad that Pastor John said we have until 2 o'clock, because we have a lot to share. Actually, I said 3 o'clock. Okay. Anyway, um, it's really great to see a lot of familiar faces, and there are some faces that I don't recognize, and so I'd like to kind of give you just a brief um, background of who Rick and I are. We've been missionaries for almost 32 years. It'll be this coming January will be 32 years that we were appointed, and it doesn't seem possible these years have gone by so quick, but you guys have been a part of our ministry for almost all of those years, and so can you imagine out of all the people that we have seen come to the Lord, that you guys are going to have a part of that in heaven. And so that's the exciting part that I can't even imagine. There'll be people there that will be coming up to you, thanking you because of what you did for them, for the kingdom. And so we want to thank you for that. Um, When we were appointed, we were in Caracas, Venezuela for 10 years, and we saw lots of people come to the Lord and three churches planted. It was amazing ministry, but God... Um, led us out of that in the year 2000 we came back to the states and we settled in charlotte north carolina so that's where our base is we have two kids and we have nine grandkids is that amazing to get nine kids nine grandkids out of just two kids but um, when we're home we're busy with that but um, we started working right away in um, a relief ministry that kind of is a holistic approach to where we go and we see how we can help economically, and then we go and we really um, target widows and orphans. And I want to read you one scripture. It's in James one twenty-seven. It says, Religion that, our, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And so as we are in countries that we have worked in, whether it's Venezuela, whether it's Romania, whether it's Serbia, whether it's Sudan, whether it's Kenya, or whether it is Myanmar, we see that the two um, types of people that really suffer are widows and orphans. But then how do you go to a widow who is living in a cave with three children, no food, nothing, and you tell her that God has a wonderful plan for her life. And so we just could not do that. And so that's why in each country that we have worked in, that we try to come up with an economic plan to help these widows and these orphans to survive. But not only survive, but to show them that really their hope is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there's so many stories that we could share with you, and I just wish we had time, but we don't. So we started out in, um, after Caracas, Venezuela, we were involved in Romania, we were involved in Serbia, and then we moved um, into Kenya, and we have been in Kenya for 18 years. And we're so grateful that you allowed 
eight people from this church to come and be with us this summer. And, you know, I told them, I said, it's actually after taking tons and tons of teams, that this was the best team ever. They had the best vacation Bible school. They were so well organized. There was absolutely no drama. Um, It was amazing. So I want to thank them so much because we had 38 people this past summer come. And so that was a lot to care for and take care of. But your team, you should be very, very Um, I know you shouldn't use the word proud, but we were so proud. And as we um, gathered each night to have a debrief, and we had dinner, and we had prayer time, we had a little um, devotion. And so I I think it was one of your team that said, you know what, God did not only show up each day, but he showed off. And I honestly believe that that was true because it was an amazing experience. So I want to thank you for that. Now, as we move forward, um, we, our last project that we're going to be involved in, we've been in Myanmar for the last 11 or 12 years. We've been praying for some land um, to build a a multi-purpose center. That's what they're calling it there. And actually, we raised the money Last year, we bought the land, and now the building is going up as we're sitting right here. And that's so significant because when we started there, we it was really hard. We had to meet at night. We, we, it was very dangerous, but it's kind of opened up, so now is the time to go in and do what we're doing because you never know. Tomorrow, it could close down again. And so I just ask that you would pray for us as we go and as we complete this building Probably next November, December, we want to take a team. This past year, and when you when this team went, we had a celebration, and we handed over the baton to the Kenyans after 18 years. And now this time in November, we're going to have a celebration of this building for some orphans that have been with us for all these years. And they're going to have a new place. It's going to be a church. It's going to be a place where... All the pastors and all the villages can come back and meet a couple times a year. And it's going to be a presence in the community of 97% Buddhists. We're going to have a Christian school. So these little Buddhist kids are going to be coming to our school because it's going to be the best school in the area. And they're going to send them there. So all these kids are going to be raised up in a Christian school. And they're going to hear for the first time. And you guys are part of that. Is that not exciting? So we just want to... Thank you so much. And so right now, publicly, I want to invite Pastor John and whoever wants to come um, next year, November, December, and help us celebrate um, with this. It's just going to be amazing, and they are so excited. And so uh, the last thing I want to do is I want to invite the Kenyan team to come up, and they are going to teach you a song that was an amazing song in Kenya that they did in the VBS. So Everybody that was um, in Kenya in um, June, and Eli is going to lead us. And so, and then what we want you guys, since you have to participate, you have to stand up. And then have a lot of room in between you guys, so this will help you get ready for Rick's sermon to wake you up again. So, everybody stand up. Thank you. God bless you. Okay. Hello. Okay, this is called the banana song. Yes. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing it three times, um, and what you're gonna do is um, every.
every single time we're going to get quieter. And at the end of each of the songs, you have to go absolutely bananas. Um, is what you go. So it starts like this. We go bananas unite. You go like this, and you go just you go pew bananas pew pew bananas pew bananas pew pew bananas. Then you chop bananas chop chop bananas chop bananas chop chop bananas. Mash bananas, mash mash bananas, mash bananas, mash mash bananas. Eat bananas, eat eat bananas, eat bananas, eat eat bananas. Then you go bananas, go go bananas, go bananas, go go bananas. Then you go bananas, go go bananas, go bananas, go go bananas. Bananas unite. All right. So now on this time we have to go. And then on the last time, we're going to go really crazy. And I want to see, you guys go crazy because you just got engaged, right? <laughs> so, pew, bananas, pew, pew, bananas, pew, bananas, pew, pew, bananas, chop, bananas, chop, chop, bananas, chop, bananas, chop, chop, bananas, mash, bananas, mash, mash, bananas, mash, bananas, mash, mash, bananas, eat. Bananas, eat, eat, bananas, eat, bananas, eat, eat, bananas. Go! Bananas! Go, go, bananas! 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 Bananas unite! I swear, if you guys don't go loud, then I'm going to be very good. But this time, we're going to whisper as quiet as you can. Okay, ready? was like bananas. Is it on now? Talk. It on. Hello. Yep. It's on. All right. Um, yeah. In most places, I just have a big mouth, and that's what happens. I just speak. Well, listen, it, I am really happy to be here and uh, to be with you again and to, to speak. And, um, yeah, anxiety is – I got more anxiety, anxiety in me when Corey was speaking. Usually I can just kind of get up, and the more he spoke, the more anxious I got. And I'm like, I don't even want to get up, you know? It's like I started sweating, and it's going to be a mess up here. But 
at least people were smart. They didn't get in the spray zone because that's, uh, that's where it's at. I don't think I go to the second, but if I do, just wipe it away. It's not, uh, it won't kill you, I don't think. So, but I am happy to be here and to be with you. And, and I'm excited uh, about a church that's excited about Jesus. Because the truth is, yeah, you can clap for Jesus and, and for what he's doing in your midst. Because the truth is, uh, he has always been with us. And uh, that's why it says that, that uh, his, one of his names is Emmanuel, right? God with us. And hopefully we can uh, use a little bit of that scripture today in this message that I have. And my messages really aren't uh, deep theological type things because it's not what I do. Uh, but uh, I hope they're practical and I hope that you walk away with a sense of, man, I want to be used by God. And uh, because that's really where it's at. Uh, you may say, you may think you don't know anything, but the truth is, you know that God loves you and you can share that much. And so that's where I want to motivate you. And that's where I want to help you understand if, if we can do this together, uh, you, you sang some really awesome songs. And, uh, but if we can do this together and, it, and, and if God can use me, a, a uh, person from Pueblo, Colorado, who shouldn't be a Christian. I should be in prison somewhere, I think, uh, or I should be somewhere, somewhere. It's not, it's just not that I got in a lot of trouble and stuff like that was a regular kid. I got in trouble uh, a lot, throwing water balloons at, at teachers and doing those kinds of things like that. I, I mean, I was that kind of a kid, but, but, but I know from a fact, from the family that God saved me out of, uh, you know, I could have probably gotten a lot more trouble than, than, and maybe some, some trouble with the law even more and more, like a lot of my relatives. But I'm here by the grace of God because some way somebody told me about Jesus and I put my faith in in Jesus. And it was a faith that I didn't know that was going to rock my foundation forever. In fact, I just heard the beautiful message of Jesus, that he loved me, that he died for me, that he was raised for me, and he was seated at the right hand of God for me. It was a simple message. I, didn't, I don't even know if I understood it all. But when, when the, the, the young girl that told me about it in a Sunday school class that I should have never been in, but I, but I was in that class because my brother turned 18 in December of his senior year in high school. And in Colorado in those days at 18, guess what? You could buy beer. 3-2 beer, but you could buy it. So being an entrepreneur, coming from an entrepreneur family, he decided to buy beer and sell it out of the back of his trunk uh, in the school parking lot. And he got caught so many times that he had to go see the judge. And so the judge says, yeah, you know what? You need to go to a reformatory. And there was such a thing for 18 and 20-year-olds in those days. I, I think they send young kids just right to prison today. But in those days, they had a, a little bit older place to send uh, kids like my brother. But he says, but I know this preacher. You go talk to this preacher. If he's willing to counsel with you, you won't go there. You'll just stick with him. And so they went there on a Saturday. And when they came home, they said, we're all going to church. And I'm thinking, great Scott, what the heck is church? I have no idea what church is. And so I get up that morning. I go. And after a couple Sundays, sure enough, those little Baptist people, they're tricky people. <laughs> because they get the cutest little Sunday school teachers to teach you about Jesus. And, and most of us were guys in that class, I think. And it was like... Whatever she said, I liked it. And I didn't know, I didn't know what it was going to take for all these years. But when I walked out of there, I knew there was something different. I just loved God. 
And, uh, and my family, for the longest time, was weirded out about me. In fact, I remember one time preaching to my brother and just it, it, preaching or let's say proclaiming. Let's use that word. Proclaiming Jesus to him. He, he got so mad one time, put his paintbrush down. And he says, listen, if you're going to talk about Jesus all the time, why don't you go to school and get an education and start preaching about Jesus? I said, that is a good idea. And I went home and told Diana, and she said I was having a uh, bad dream. You should wake up because we're, we're not going to go off to school. I was, you know, I was 26 years old, and, uh, and uh, you know, but by the time I prayed for her for a couple years, she says, you know that time you had that thought? Maybe we should do it. And now anxiety came, selling a house and moving off at 28 years going to college. Could you imagine? All the young, people were a lot younger than me. You guys are young. How old are you guys? You're 21 and you're, and you're 20. You know, my wife met me when, or I met her when she was 15. She fell madly in love with me and asked me to marry her. Now, that's my story. I like that one, but it's not the true one. But she, she was 18 when we got married and I was 20. And I'm so happy because if I didn't ever find her, I don't think anybody would want me. But uh, she, she's been a, a, a double catch since then. You're a lucky man. You're blessed to have such a nice looking girl. And uh, it's good if you can get married young. You grow up together and you learn a lot of lessons. Bless you guys. So God is good and giving us families and giving us what we need at the right time. But here's my challenge to you. It comes in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. A lot of times when you go to seminary or Bible college or somewhere like this, these are the passages that they reserve for pastors. But they're not only for pastors. Pastors need to know these things because you need a pastor that preaches the word of God, that opens it up and helps you understand what God has for you every given week so that it encourages you and exhorts you and sometimes rebukes you, but it sends you out into a world that is in peril, that is so messed up, they need little lights and salt all over the world. But the problem is sometimes we're not very good lights and sometimes we're not very salty when it comes to the words of Jesus Christ, but we should be salty when they taste as, guess what? I can taste that salt and we should have lights so shining that they'll say, there's something a little weird about you. And you say, yes, there is. And I know who he is. Not that he's weird, but, but they think I'm weird because I believe in him. Paul says, uh, if, you have to, if they consider you a fool, let them consider you a fool. That's okay. Be foolish to them because you're wise to God for believing in him and following him. See, there's an excitement and a passion that comes if you really understand what God has done for you. Sometimes you'll say, oh, I wasn't that bad of a person. No, but you could have been. It was only by the grace of God that you weren't that bad of a person. And really having that attitude, maybe you're really you're more bad than what you think. Because your pride and your arrogance is going to be the ruin of you if you don't be careful. So the reality is I am grateful as a young kid that Jesus showed up in my life. And I feel sorry for a lot of my family members because he didn't show up for them. Well, he showed up for them, but they didn't receive him. And, uh, and so I can't, I can't understand all of that. I can't understand why he protected me in some ways and why some of my family went through that misery, except for the fact I responded possibly to the message. And guess what? There's a lot of Ricks. That's my name, Rick Wilson. Actually, my name is Ricky Dean Wilson. It's a kind of a trick in my family. R-I-C-K-E-Y, Dean Wilson. Yeah, I live in the South now, which is kind of a common name. They go, oh, you must be a Southern boy. Boy, no, I'm not. But, 
the thing is, there's a lot of Ricks out in this community. Not their names are Ricks, but people that need Jesus. There's, there's a lot of you, you. You guys have families? Are they all saved? Wow, that's a mission field, and it's hard, isn't it? But guess what? You can share with them about the love of Jesus. Look at these passages with me. Let me challenge you. Not pry into your life. Not scold you. Not to do anything like that. But just to say, all of us are in the same place. We have this great treasure. His name is Jesus. We are filled by God the Holy Spirit. And at the right time, doesn't he urge you and nudge you to speak up? And sometimes we, we don't want to do it and we pull away. And then later on, you, sit, you say to yourself, I should have said something. I should have done it. Well, that's God. That's God speaking to you and trying to help you speak up, speak up, speak up. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. And this is 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. And by his appearing as his key kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrines or sound teaching, and, uh, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachings to, to their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, at myths as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, uh, suffering. But a key to this verse for me is, do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry. Each one of you can do the work of the evangelist. And each one of you, in a way, are shepherds, pastors, trying to reach out to people to, to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so this is why it's important to me to know these scriptures. What is important uh, for us is to preach the word. But let's change that word just a little bit because we can't. Preach is only one way. In some translation, it says proclaim. Proclaim the word. To talk about Jesus, tell people, to put it out there and say, this is who Jesus is. So to proclaim the world, not only leaders should do that, and all of them stood up a minute ago, not only should they be proclaiming Jesus, not only to this congregation, but to people outside of the congregation. Down in Pinecone, it's not called Pinecone, is it? Pinebush. Down in Pinebush. <laughs> You know, they, 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 have a, they had a little, like, uh, street blocked off, and you could go down there. Did you know I talked at least to, I got, you know, I got ditched in Pine Bush two times. Uh, it's, it's Pine Bush? Pine Bush. By, by uh, Sherry and Diana. Every time I turned around, they were gone. It reminded me of the time that my mom purposely lost me in the Illinois State Fair. Now, she says she didn't do it, but I found her again. She took me home. But... But the thing is, is that just walking through that, that little area, I talked about harmony to at least seven different people. Can you imagine that? We, you, you can do it because you go up and you listen. I talked to the karate people. And they are so humble. You know, they won't brag about anything. Karate people don't brag about stuff. It's not like on the movies where I'm a karate guy. I can break up. They, they're, they're really humble people, aren't they? And so I got to talk to them, told them where I was going to be this Sunday. Is anybody from Pine Bush here? I'm not, oh, did I talk to you yesterday? 
Oh, shoot. I said, see, there it works. But, but you do that. That's what you do. It just comes natural. And so what Paul is saying here is, hey, listen, preaching the word is our priority. We need to have a priority in our life. I, and, and not only uh, we love our families, we love our, I would die for my wife. She wishes I would just do more in the house, but I would die for her, <laughs> you know. But the thing is, is that, and that's true, and she knows it. She knows I love her. Even sometimes I have to remind her just by saying it over and over again. Jesus, Jesus knows I love him. But what's my priority there? The priority then, and, and really that word just means to, to have the most important value in what it is. So if we value Jesus, what, would we do, what do we do? Talk about him. You're going you're to be married. You have friends, right? You tell your friends about your girl. You know why? Because you're so in love with her and you value her. You can't wait. Hey, look at my girl. <laughs> pretty, pretty nice looking girl, huh? And she is so cool. And you talk about her all the time, huh? Did you know when I first got married to my wife, Diana? Well, even before then, before, I, before then, my sister says, why do you keep saying my wife, my wife? I said, because she is. <laughs> it's awesome. She is. So, so it's the same with Jesus. If there's this priority that you have in your life and the priority is preaching the word, who is the word? Jesus. Jesus became flesh and, and, and the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. So we have him at our beckoning call. I mean, if you want to say it that. But honestly, he's the one that enters us and motivates us by God the Holy Spirit in our life just to speak up at the right time, at the right place, to do the things that he calls us to do. And it's not heavy-handed stuff where you grab somebody in a headlock and says, I'm not leaving until you put your faith in Jesus. I've seen that happen, by the way. Uh, it didn't work. That, that lady didn't really convert, but the missionary thought he, she did. But uh, it doesn't work. But the love of Christ is overwhelming. And, 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 and listen, I've been threatened. I've been laughed at, I've been made fun of, but I've also seen people come to the Lord. Some people think, man, you're the weirdest guy I've ever met. You think I'm weird, you ought to meet some of my other friends. <laughs> They're even weirder than I am because they speak even more than I do about Jesus. So it should be our priority. But there's some other verses there, and I think sometimes we get hung up in them. Like, we need to reprove. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, it's correct. And sometimes, it, or it almost always, always uh, gently doing it and kindly with an intent to convince somebody that they're in error. Because sometimes, you know, you have family members. I remember my sister Barbara, she got saved at the same time I did, but she never lived it that way. She never lived that way. And I can remember talking to her on her deathbed. Well, before that, I talked to her several times. I talked to her many times. I drove my family crazy. It was like they turned off the lights when I came to the door. No, it wasn't that bad. Uh, but I remember talking to her one time. She said, well, Rick, I've decided to become part of the Baha'i faith. I said, you're going to become part of the behind faith? You know, and just a little pun on words there. Don't know if you caught that, but the behind faith. And she goes, she got mad at first. Then she thought about what I said and she started laughing. She says, no, I was just trying to mess with you. And I said, Barbara, you know, we went to the same church. You know, we, we put our faith in Jesus. You know this. And uh, I can remember then later on, just a few years back, she's on her deathbed because she didn't live well. She didn't have 
that life that I've had. And I remember talking to her and saying, listen, and her, one of her sons uh, wouldn't leave her alone with me because he wanted to see what I was going to say to her. And I said, Barbara, I said, you know, I love you. And she said, I do. I said, I, but I want you to know something. I said, there's, I want you to, there, there's, a, there's a warning here I want to give you. Where are you with Jesus? Because you, you're going to pass and uh, you're going to die. And it's a hard, hard thing because your family members can get really mad at you when you do that. I can't believe he's talking about Jesus right now. But, but, but I had to take that chance. I had to take that. And, and I said, I'm going to talk about him. And uh, she says, I hear you. She says, here's what I know. I know that Jesus is my Savior. She says, I know that I'm going to die. And I know I'm going to be in heaven with him, not because I've, I've been good. It's because he has saved me. And <clears throat> you were talking about visions and stuff. I've never had really any visions. But I've had things that I believe that God has spoke to my heart about. One time I woke up and God had spoke to my heart. Why is my sister always in these problems? What happened to her? And it dawned on me that she must have been molested in her life, and, uh, which I never was. And, uh, uh, but several of my siblings were, my, my sister, my brother, but I was untouched. And so there's battle that goes on your mind, right? And I was very, you know, condemning of my sister for the longest time, like, you're just a bad person. Well, you know, my brain is saying, I'm not telling her that, but my brain, you know how you can think. Why is she so like this? And then I called her. I couldn't wait to get up. It's, it was three hours different, she, or two hours different. She lives in Colorado. But I, the time I knew that she'd get up, I got on that phone. I called her. I said, Barbara, tell me about Uncle Alfred. And she goes, what do you want to know about Uncle Alfred? I said, how long was he molesting you? Now, I see, I didn't know. But, but I figured it out. I figured it out just thinking and, 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 and having a dream one night. And she says, how do you know that? I said, I don't. God told me last night in my dream, in my sleep. And he says, most of my life as a young girl, as a itty-bitty six, seven-year-old girl from until she was grown. And I, my whole attitude changed. See, I didn't understand. But yet my, my sister fought this battle that I couldn't understand if she would have opened up with me. I could have shared the freedom in Christ that that's not you, that was him. And you can, you can get over this thing. And that's why you need to be the word to people. You, it's, a, it's, a, it's a priority, but also, let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to use these words of warning. And this reprove is really that. It's, it's uh, to kindly try to correct people in their thinking. Because she was thinking, uh, God isn't there for her. Uh, she, she, she doesn't need and I know that this a lot of times is used for discipline in the church but it's more than that it's also used for evangelism because the word, it says this you know be the evangelist so correcting in, in, a, in a gentle way I mean if I'm kind and gentle and I love you with all my heart and I'm reaching out to you you'll listen to me a little bit more won't you as I'm in your face but, but that's the way it is 
that's the way it is. That's what you want to be. You want to correct and to teach. And it's, and sometimes you have to use these words, but understand the words that the, that the scripture is saying. This reprove is in a gentle, kind way with an intent. And sometimes you have to argue, but many times you have to urge people. Why are, why is this happening to you? You don't have to be there. You can get out of it. And, uh, and, I, and I did the same thing with my brothers. But then there's another word there that, that you go on. It says also to rebuke. Now, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You know, something like that. But rebuke has an, an, an idea, too, of warning and talk about disapproval, but in an earnest manner, in an earnest manner like Jesus would do. Remember the time, do you think Jesus loved the apostle Peter? Loved him, huh? But remember what he said to him? Get behind me, Satan. Because what you're saying isn't the truth. Get behind me. And sometimes you have to have that motive. But it has to be in a way where you have that platform to speak to people. Because they know they love you. They know you're committed to them. And they know that you have the best interest for them. And that is to see them in the beautiful hands of Jesus. And so how about my brother Johnny? He's 73 years old now and, and really pro- probably won't make 75 because he lived. And, and he's the one that, because of selling beer out of his trunk, <laughs> got me saved in, indirectly. I mean, I was dragged to church, not even knowing what I, you know, I didn't know anything about church, but got saved. And yet when he was about 65 years old, I was talking to him on the phone and I said, Johnny, how are you doing? And I always would ask him, and we would talk about Jesus. Yeah, I know, I know. I remember those things the pastor taught me. And I said, he says, how are you, I said, how are you doing? About 65 years old. He says, well, I'm doing better. I'm not taking meth anymore. And I said, meth? I didn't even know he was on meth. I had no idea. They, they called me Leave It the Beaver, by the way. Do you remember that show? Because I was that kid. It was like I was like clueless on so many things. Uh, not that clueless because I wasn't that innocent either. So I want to be, I want to disclose I'm not, I'm not necessarily Beaver, but in a lot of ways I was. And so, and if you don't know who Leave It the Beaver is, look it up on YouTube, young people. You can, you can find him. Doesn't look like me, but I was a lot like that kid. Anyway, he, he, he would tell me, I was shocked, but I just saw him last week uh, and it was good. And uh, he confirmed to me. That he says, I, I believe. And, and, and I have been baptized again in, in the church here. He says, I know I, I, I need to go. He says, but I fall asleep because he's so weak. Because he did so many drugs and, and, and different types of things over the life. And, and just about a year and a half ago, he stopped drinking, which was a big thing for my family. And so I understand. I understand the mess that's out there. But we have somebody that unmesses things. I don't know if you can say it that way, but it's messy. He unmesses it. But it takes somebody bold enough to at least reprove and sometimes rebuke these things. But do it in a way that is honest and good and sincere and loving and kind because they know that they, you have. Or how about exhort? It, it, exhort really has this idea of giving advice or uh, being more like apologetic about things is trying to build this 
understanding as you talk to people about Jesus. So when you go out there, maybe you tell somebody, hey, Jesus loves you. And, he's, and then they ask you 14 questions and you say, oh, next week I'm going to have chapter 2 on this. And you go and find out some of the things that you need to know. Go ask the pastor. You keep him busy so much during the week. He'll be so wore out on Sunday. His sermons will be so, shorter. And so, but you go ask him. You go ask him, hey, what about this? I have had these questions. If you do that, he would probably go bald-headed like Corey. Nothing against that. I love bald-headed people. Because he would be so busy in this and people would be so bothering him. He'd be so shocked that we're actually moving towards those things. It's hard to talk about Jesus. Because you know how it is. It's like you talk about anxiety. We talk about, I started a class. I didn't start it. I took over a class of 100 people once in seminary. And I knew I shouldn't have did did it. But the guy that he kept begging me said, I'll do it. I showed up and I I had a card made that says, uh, know him and make him known. And that was going to be our evangelistic card for, for the class. That week, there was like five people in that class. Before, there was a hundred. The first week I had it, there was five. The following week, there was zero because it was going to be an evangelistic class. Guess what? went to zero. And I can remember Adam was like, I don't know what he's, five or six years old, maybe seven. He looks at me and he goes, Dad, he says, don't worry about it because next week we're going to fill this class. And I said, I don't think it's going to happen. It never did. So you have your disappointments. But guess what? It's okay. God has a plan for you and the message, the word of God that he has for you. And so this, this idea of exhort is really a good word. Because we live in perilous times. Perilous times. Where people, and that's why we need to be these kind of people. Because we live in perilous times where people are believing their own junk. I sat on an airplane with a lady that just got out of rehab. And she was taught... Uh, a, a weird philosophy. You know what the philosophy was? We're all dead. We just don't know it. And I said, really? So how does that work? She says, well, sometime we'll wake up in our deadness and we'll be in that other place where God or whoever will put us. And I said, we're dead right now. And I said, yeah, and we were on like this uh, nine or ten hour trip to, to Africa. And this one was going to South Africa, so maybe it was like 13 hours. And it was the longest trip, and I was against the window. I couldn't get out. Uh, you know, it was, uh, you know it's, it's one of those cabins where they give you oars so that it's the cheap seats. And, you're, you know, nothing worked on the seat. You know, I think the people threw up in it before I got in it. It was a mess. And so I'm sitting there, and she's telling me this philosophy. And, she, and I said, you believe that? And she goes, yeah. Then I shared Jesus with her. And at the end of it, I said, you, you believe your philosophy? She says, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think that philosophy is right. I said, no, because if, you were, if we were dead, I wish I'd wake up right now because this flight is miserable. <laughs> it was the worst flight I'd ever been on in my life. It was miserable. And uh, so, but think about what people believe. Think, I mean, you hear the stories. What do you believe? Should be Jesus and nothing else because that's who saves you. So there's sort of the things that I wanted to get at. So preaching the word is something that we have to be as perilous. It's serious, that word means. It's immediate danger that people are in. Because if they die, guess what? There is a heaven and there is a hell. hell. And And you'll say, oh, Jesus was a loving guy. He talked more about hell than he did about love. But it's not that we go around and say, hey, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. That's not what we do. We go around and we say, we, if you believe in Jesus, it, it, Jesus will be there in, in the end. 
And when, when you die and you pass into that eternity, guess who's going to be there? It's going to be Jesus. And he's going to look at you and he's going to say, hey, what's your name, by the way? Your name. What's your name? Oh, Vernell. Vernell. You say, Vernell, I've been waiting a long time for you. Come on in. Good and faithful servant. He's going to give you a hug. Is that going to be a joyous day? Why not share that with other people? Can you imagine that day? Of meeting Jesus face to face. He's going he's gonna to hug you. You're going to be falling on your feet. You're going to be praying. You're going to say, thank goodness I finally get to see you after all these years. And then all those other people, the people that were responsible for my salvation, other people that were responsible because I was faithful. Isn't it going to be a great, glorious day? Why not share that? Because these people are living in perilous times. They're, they're lost and they're not going to have that experience. They're going to go to a other place that we don't want anybody to go to. Right? Amen. That's why God has called us to preach the word. And do it in season. In season is really good. Forgot to talk about that. Because it's an easy one. You go up to somebody, you start talking about Jesus. And all of a sudden, boom. They put their faith in Jesus. You go, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going to go try the next day. Out of season, those guys are a lot harder. They may be Muslim, they may be Jewish, they may be Mormons, they may be Jehovah's Witness. They just may be the paganest pagan guy you've ever met in your life. Those are the ones that are out of season, aren't it? Those are hard ones. Those are hard ones to reach. But God has called us to all people because of the love of Christ that, that, that pushes us forward to express that message of Jesus. So how can we do this? I want to share another passage and I think I'm, we're going we're gonna to get out in time to beat the Methodists to the church. Oh, you don't have to worry about the Methodists because we're having food here. So you don't have to worry about the diners. You can eat here. So I just want to share one other uh, scripture with you. And it's the scripture. I, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give you the passage in Matthew 1, 21 to 23. It's the birth of Jesus where Jesus became flesh. And it says, God that he is Emmanuel, which means God with us. But did you realize back in the Garden of Eden, God was there? And I just heard a great sermon on this. But God was there in the Garden of Eden. And do you realize that in the tabernacle, God tabernacled with men? Then when God became flesh, he was there among them, and he was tabernacling with them, but in the flesh of the man. But when he left... God is still with us because he tabernacles inside of us with God, the Holy Spirit, that tells us about who? About Jesus. Who told us about who? He told us about the Father. So this triune God is in us. Ah, you can't have passion over that. You should have all kinds of passion that God is, is a holy God, but yet he lives in you and drives you forward to, 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 to talk about him. All the way from the Old Testament to Revelation. And at the end of Revelation, guess what? We find ourselves at the throne of God, worshiping him and bowing down and confessing that he is the Lord and Savior, the God all, Almighty. I had a bunch of other stuff, but I don't have the time to share it. But I want to share this. The way we've been able to do anything is that we understood who Jesus is. I know... Uh, the why and is, and is Jesus why do I do what I do it is Jesus the how is what we have to learn how do we now share that message to others so yeah we've seen churches start we've seen people saved we've seen uh, orphans helped 
We've seen all this. And I can tell you, it wasn't because of Diana and I. It was because we were faithful to preach the word in season and out of season to a world that is in peril. That, 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 that if, it, if they don't hear the word, there's no hope for them unless we preach it. So I had a little video for you. I think we can show it. It's how long is that video? Actually, 1.7. It's what? At 4.27. You know what? You watch this video on your own. But it's by God, God with us by Mercy Me. It's a great, it's a great song. Because God is with us. How can we fail? If God is there using us at the right time to speak Jesus. And let me tell you, it, it, it's, it's sometimes not easy. I remember a Muslim guy, uh, one time I met, he was an ambassador uh, uh, for the embassy of uh, Egypt. And he, my son was in school with his son. And I remember him coming to me. And he's saying, hey, are you Adam's son? His, his, his son was named Adam too. And I say, yeah, I'm Adam's son. Oh, my son is Adam. Oh, yeah, I know Adam. He's a great little kid. And he goes, so are you this guy that really believes that Jesus died, that he was buried, and he was resurrected, and he's living right now, uh, and, and that he's God? In the flesh, and I said yes. He says, "Wait a minute, I'm going to get my wife." Got his wife, and he told, "Tell, tell my wife what you just told me." I told her too, and I'm excited. I think, "Hey, Muslim guys want to hear about Jesus," and then they started laughing at me. So I know. So I just laughed out loud, and I said, "Well, that was kind of a little bit embarrassing at first, but I thought about it, and I said, well, at least I gave him the gospel.' Good. You know, and you do the best you can do. Let me encourage you: if you want this church to explode. Let the spirituality of the Holy Spirit come alive in you. And tell your family, love them. Love them by telling them. Love your neighbor by telling them. Love the people that you meet by telling them. And I know we live in perilous times. And you have to be careful, but not that careful. Because if they don't hear it from you, who will they hear it from? Will they hear some whacked out thing that says you can believe whatever you want? Jesus likes you just the way you are? No, he doesn't. He likes you. Because he created you, you. He loves you for that reason. But he doesn't like the bad things. The things that you could become. He likes you the way you could be when you put your faith in him. Please, if anything, preach the word. Jesus, the word that became flesh. The one who dwells with us. The one that, that, that the scriptures teaches that he is with us. Let me pray. God, our Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I ask that you bless them, that you watch over them, you keep them safe. Father, what we talked about is so simple, but it's frightening and hard. Bless them. Let them walk away with excitement. And give them the spirit of truth so that they can tell one person about Jesus this next week. Wear the pastor out so that when they go out, They'll be like the disciples coming back with all kinds of great messages about what has happened because they shared Jesus. Father, with all my hearts, I don't know where they come from. I don't know what their problems is, but I know that you love them. I know you have the best for them. As soon as they cry out to you, God, fill them with God, the Holy Spirit, and guide them. In the name of Jesus, I ask these things. I plead with you, Jesus. Bless these people. Amen.